This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. Charles Wesley, he's the one who wrote the hymn we just sang. That hymn was titled, Rejoice the Lord is King. Uh, He was a hymn writer, pastor in England in the 18th century, and uh, we still sing many of his hymns, like the hymn that we just sang this morning. Um, The hymn, um, that hymn that we sang, according to hymnary.org, appears in 698 hymnals. So uh, he, the things that he wrote have lasting impressions. So Charles had a gift for poetry and hymn writing, and he was able to capture many truths about God and man in his hymns. So I borrowed the um, title for the sermon from him, Rejoice Again, I Say Rejoice. Um, And the reason I chose that is because Paul is encouraging the church in Rome to rejoice And through his letter to the Romans, he is encouraging us to rejoice as well. So now we all know it's easy to rejoice when things are going well, but today's Bible passage encourages us to go deeper than that. It encourages us to reflect on the saving work of Jesus Christ and to draw from our repaired relationship with God to move through all of life with rejoicing, including times of suffering and hardship. Charles himself encountered some hardship along the way in his ministry early on in his career. um, He actually sailed from England to Georgia, which was was in the uh, British America at that time. And he he took a job there, and it only lasted for a few months. And so his, his, uh, his quick start in ministry kind of petered out, and he sailed back to England with his brother. And so he and his brother, a couple years later in England, experienced a kind of a spiritual awakening. They had a religious experience and it ignited their desire to do evangelism there in England. And so they found their zeal for evangelism, but their zeal for evangelism was met with opposition from the church there at the time. And they were forced to preach outside of the church and they were actually opposed by many Anglican clergy, and they faced hostile crowds several times. And this was because he was passionate about sharing the gospel with the lost. So he faced suffering and hardship on many occasions for the sake of the gospel, but it never kept him, it never discouraged him from expressing his joy for the Lord. He always continued to rejoice as he continued to write hymns and preach and evangelize. So we, we all may face some discouraging times, some slow starts, and uh, we all need to be reminded of God's goodness so that we can continue to rejoice. Maybe family members or friends or co-workers give you a hard time for being holy. I remember when uh, my wife and I, we first got married and uh, we committed our lives to follow the Lord. Um, my, uh, my parents called us the holy ones, and it wasn't necessarily a, a, a delightful term. You know, it was kind of a derogatory, like, oh, you guys are the holy ones, you know. So you kind of, sometimes you may have experienced this, maybe at work, maybe um, 
you know, just in real life at school, you may experience like, oh, you're, you're the holy one, you know, in a bad way. But I want to encourage you this morning that other people has fa- have faced those challenges and discouragements, and they continue to remember who they are in Christ, and they continue to rejoice. And so I want to, that's what our whole emphasis this morning is, is uh, being rooted in the gospel so that we can rejoice no matter what challenging situations that we encounter. So three points this morning. Uh, The first point, rejoice in hope. Second is rejoice in suffering. And third is rejoice in God. So the first point, rejoice in hope. Verse 1 and 2 ends with the phrase, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So why is Paul telling us to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God? Well, verse 1 and 2 build on our foundation for understanding the status of our relationship with God and how that should affect our life now. Verse 1 tells us that since we have been justified by faith, we now have peace with God. Okay, peace with God. This peace is the closure of the great divide that was caused by sin. So in the beginning... There was Adam and Eve, right? And everything was perfect. It was great. And then sin entered, right? And then there's been this great divide between God and man ever since. And there's always been this plan of how do we bring God and man back together? Because a holy God can't be joined with unholy man. And so there has to be something that takes place. And the sacrificial system in the Old Testament describes the process of atonement that brings people back. But ultimately, that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And that relationship is restored. And so we have peace with God and man. So let's, I mean, we could just sit here and preach all day long on just that one verse. But brothers and sisters, I just want to emphasize that that we have peace with God. And right there, that is worth rejoicing. And when I think of peace that is so, like, cataclysmic, I think of I think of World War II when we had the, um, there was obviously multiple countries at war, but I think of what happened with Japan. We were, at, we were in a war in the Pacific Theater with Japan, and there needed to be something that was monumental that would bring peace. I would imagine people probably thought peace would never come in the midst of that. And there was something so, so uh, magnificent in a, in a horrifying way, that brought peace. And that was the, the two atomic bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But that single event of destruction and death brought about a peace. And similarly, you know, we have this, this, this event called the crucifixion of Jesus Christ that completely changed the whole world. And it was the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that brings peace, and it brings peace to all people. So that event, World War II, brought peace between Japan and America. But the event of Jesus Christ on the cross brings peace to all humanity, to all the world. So it's even greater peace than that. Verse 2 builds on the peace that we now have through Jesus It says, we now are standing in grace by faith. 
standing in grace by faith. This is a complete reversal of where we were standing prior to faith in Jesus. Verse 9 says that we were standing in a position of wrath from God. As Paul reminded us in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6 reminds us that the wages of sin is death. So if you are not standing in a position of peace and standing in a position of grace, then you are standing in a position of wrath. And God doesn't want you to be in that position. And that is why he is so patient and kind and loving, and he gives us time to repent. He gives us time to fall away and come back. And this reminds me, this past week I've been reflecting uh, through a book that um, the staff here at Woodland we've been reading called Lead, and there's a passage that the author reflected on in Jonah, and it was really fascinating to me because Jonah was like the wayward prophet, right? So the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, and Jonah, what does he do? He goes the other direction, right? God says, Jonah, you know, go to Nineveh, and then, and then uh, Jonah says, no, I'm going to go to Tarshish. So he goes the other way, right? And then so God lovingly uh, gets the sailors to throw him overboard and lovingly gets him swallowed by a great fish and lovingly gets him vomited up on the shore at where he's supposed to be. But while he was in the belly of the whale, the word of the Lord came to Jonah again, a second chance. The Lord came to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to complete the mission. I'm not going to let you sink in the bottom of the ocean. I'm going to save you. I'm going to give you a second chance. And many of us need that second chance, right? Many of us may have come to the Lord, but many of us may have gone away from the Lord, and we need to come back to the Lord. The Lord delights in giving second chances, and we can have that second chance. And maybe some of you listening now maybe have never taken the opportunity to take the first chance. And it's simple. It's ABC. Admit that you need Jesus. Admit that you need a Savior. Believe in your heart that the Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, ABC. It's simple. Come to the Lord. And if you've already done that, come to the Lord again. God delights to give you a second chance. So Paul is saying, because of your faith in Jesus, you are justified, you are at peace, and you are standing in grace. And even more than that, because these things are true, you can rejoice in the hope of being with God in glory. This hope of glory is for our life to come in heaven. This is comforting and worth rejoicing over because some would say, well, it's fine to rejoice over uh, being in heaven, but right now I'm suffering, so I don't want to rejoice, and Paul addresses that too. So it's kind of that, what I'm trying to say is that there's that Pollyanna kind of rejoicing, oh, everything's fine, everything's fine, right? But the reality is we know not everything's fine, and so sometimes we, we struggle, and sometimes there's suffering, and, uh, but Paul is addressing that too. And so our second point this morning is rejoice in suffering. So why would we rejoice in suffering? This seems so counterintuitive. Well, that is really a good question, so let's try to understand suffering a bit first. There are lots of different types of suffering, 
and the most common is the suffering brought about by the fall, which includes aging and dying. So my, my uh, beloved grandmother, love her so much, um, she used to always say, growing old is not for sissies, right? So we all, we all know uh, the older you get, the more conversations you have about what hurts and uh, what surgeries and all the things that are going wrong, right? And so that's a type of suffering that we all endure. There's also a couple other types of suffering that I want to highlight. There's holiness suffering, which I kind of touched on a little bit. And that holiness suffering is more of an internal suffering. Like if you're wrestling with like a personal sin, like you're really trying to follow the Lord, but you're struggling and there's some, there's some suffering that goes on there where you're having to uh, maybe uh, stop doing some things that you like um, because you want to glorify God. So there's a, there's a holiness suffering there's an opposition suffering, and the opposition suffering is more external, like uh, if coworkers are giving you a hard time, um, people, people are, are persecuting you, giving you a hard time about your faith or your beliefs and following Jesus. So that's more of an opposition suffering. And then there's a missional suffering, and that would be what we would uh, kind of draw to mind when we think of um, your favorite missionary story, maybe some martyrs, people that have uh, gone to faraway lands and, and laid down their lives for Jesus. So there's missional suffering. So back to point two, suffering. And uh, so now we find Paul's argument laid out in a chain of reasons that support the assertion that we are to rejoice in suffering. So verse three and four, he says that suffering produces endurance Endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame. I think Paul is addressing the suffering that I described previously that would be present for Christians at the time in Rome. I think at the end of Acts 5, which describes the apostles being beaten for pro proclaiming the gospel. So if you, if you read Acts 5, it describes Peter and the apostles, they were preaching and, uh, and the, uh, the council, you know, rounded them up and beat them, said, don't preach. Uh, but they, of course, they continued to preach. So that kind of suffering. But after they were beaten and released, they rejoiced that they were worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. So I think of um, what we talked about previously, the Wesley brothers, they were harassed because they were proclaiming the gospel I think of lots of other missionaries that come to mind. The, the very first recorded um, kind of evangelist that martyred herself, some of you may know, know the story of Perpetua, uh, but she was in, I believe she was in Rome, and she was going to die because of her faith, but she she'd never recanted her faith. She kept her faith, and she wrote letters about it, and those letters are still in existence. But she kept the faith, and she rejoiced going to her death. So Paul is arguing again and again that if you have faith in Jesus, that you should rejoice in your hope of glory with God and you should rejoice in your suffering on the account of Jesus because in a way, this shows that you are full of God's love. Verse five says, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And this is the source of our honor and the source of our hope 
and the source of our character and the source of our endurance. If we have received the Holy Spirit, just like a plant receives water, then we will have endurance and character and hope to go through suffering with a spirit of joy. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a uh, well-known German theologian during the time of World War II, and uh, he, um, he wrote uh, many books, but uh, he was part of the resistance against Hitler, and, um, and so he had different tactics that he was trying to resist against Hitler, and when, um, so some of the tactics were changing, he decided to go to America and become a guest lecturer during this time, but once he got to America, he couldn't shake the feeling that he felt responsible for his country. And so within months of his arrival here in America, he wrote a theologian named Reinhold Niebuhr, and he said, I have made a mistake in coming to America. I must live through this difficult period in our national history with the Christian people of Germany. I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share in the trials of this time with my people. He, he knew he needed to share in the suffering that was going on. Bonhoeffer, uh, though pre privy to various plots on Hitler's life, was never at the center of the plans. Eventually, his resistance efforts, mainly his role in rescuing the Jews, was discovered, and uh, he was imprisoned in 1943, and he was executed by hanging in 1945, but one of the things that he said while he was in prison is, it was uh, fascinating, he's such a deep thinker, but uh, I tried to kind of summarize this a little bit, but he said, to be a Christian does not mean to be religious in a particular way, but to be a man, not a type of man, but the man that creates, uh, but the man that Christ creates in us but to be a man, not a type of man, but the man that Christ creates in us. So he's saying when you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit that Christ is creating something in you. And he says, it is not the religious act that makes the Christian, but participation in the sufferings of God in this life. So it's really like a full orb as we grow in our likeness of Christ and, we fill our, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're that shaping is actually completed through suffering. It's a fascinating thought. Uh, Psalm 71.1 uh, brings me hope in this moment. It says, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. We all face suffering from the fall. There's no denying it. We have, we have no choice in this matter, but we will often have a choice to face suffering in the name of Jesus. Are you willing to be counted among the holy ones, even if it means persecution? I pray that I will be so filled with God's love that I will have no other choice. I pray that for you as well. Last point, point three, rejoice in God. Verse 11 wraps up this section of Paul's letter with another reminder of why we should be actively rejoicing in God. Verse 6 and 7 reminds us that in our weak and ungodly condition, Christ died for us. Furthermore, Paul argues that Christ dying for the weak, ungodly sinners is the most extreme kind of love. He argues that 
Someone might die for a good person, but rarely, if ever, would someone die for an ungodly sinner. But that is exactly what Jesus does, which is so consistent with his teaching. If you think about um, the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew 5 through 7, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And this is exactly what God does. Jesus himself lives out that message. And Paul says in uh, verse 10, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. And so he's continuing to build this argument that not only does Christ's death reunite us with, with our relationship with God, but Christ's life brings joy and hope and uh, brings salvation, and it gives us a kingdom vision, not just for this life, but the life to come, and it gives us hope in no matter what situation we're in. You see, brothers and sisters, we are, we are the weak, we are the ungodly, we are the sinner, and Paul is saying, if you have been saved by grace through faith, in Jesus Christ, then you should be rejoicing. We once were enemies with God, and now we are part of the loving family of God. And just to recap, if you have been saved by grace through faith, then you have peace with God. You are standing in a position of grace, not wrath. You have hope of eternal glory with Jesus. You have a heart full of God's love through the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the source of strength to endure suffering in this life, and you have the hope of Jesus for our life to come. If you have faith in Jesus, you have all of this and more. So if you have it, then, it, then rejoice, brothers and sisters. And if you don't have it, don't wait another minute. Don't, uh, take advantage, just like Jonah, of second chances and receive the gift of grace from our Lord Jesus Christ. The, um, because if you do, uh, you will have hope and you will rejoice and you will not be put to shame. Uh, one of my dear uh, family, dear family friends, it's my, my dad's best friend's wife, uh, uh, passed away of cancer a few years back. But uh, this was one of the most godly women that I ever met. Um, she just exuded the Holy Spirit, and uh, just it seemed like Jesus was walking with her all the time. Um, and uh, I had the blessing of sharing meals with them at their home and praying with them and uh, just being around them. And it just, uh, it just felt like, um, you know, when you eat Cheetos and, you're, and you're, you just have cheese all over your hands, you know, it's like being around them is just like you just, Jesus is just all over you in a good way. And, um, and so um, she, unfortunately, she got cancer and she did pass away, but her family was with her when she died and they were all around her. And the stories that they tell are just uh, mind, mind blowing. The, the presence of the Holy Spirit was literally tangible in the room when she passed away. And, the, um, and it just reminds me that she put her hope in 
Jesus Christ. And when she came to meet him face to face, she was not put to shame. And so I want to encourage you this morning to continue, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter where you are, stage in your life, we don't know uh, what's tomorrow. Tomorrow's not promised, but today is, and today we can rejoice in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So I would encourage you to, uh, to do that, to live in hope. Remember that Jesus Christ has repaired the relationship between you and God, and that you can rejoice and have hope in that. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.